Hello, John Trent, and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie, I'm joined as always by my co-host, Will. I'm getting high off the vibes of a fistfight. And Park. Ia, Ia, Cthulhu, Relia, Fatagan. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I feel the same way. This week we watched In the Mouth of Madness, a movie about you and things that are happening to you right now. Uh, So this was Will's pick. I'm going to let him recap. Yeah. um, So coming off of the uh, high of my my, my last pick of getting all my all my like woke points in at once, you know, uh, with Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I've decided to cash those in as quickly as possible by picking a movie that was inspired by uh, maybe the original problematic fave (laughs) for (laughs) a lot of people. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft, one of the most famously racist horror writers of all time. But fortunately, this movie uh, has very little to do with Lovecraft's uh, politics and is more sort of generally inspired by his books. There is a uh, disappearance of a horror writer named Sutter Kane. The uh, publishing company for Sutter Kane has is trying to make an insurance claim on uh, their author <laughs> suddenly disappearing. And John Trent is there to investigate to make sure that the claim is legit. On his path to find Sutter Kane, he starts to realize that the things that Sutter Kane writes in his horror books uh, are changing reality or sort of speaking or write, writing things into existence up to the point where he realizes that his most recent work is uh, about himself uh, and uh, antics ensue, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> antics, indeed. I, l- I love me some Lovecraft vibes, like like Lovecraft author like works of literature vibes not 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 so much him himself but it's kind of a combo of like you just get like you get kind of like the intimate like town people yep in hobbs in like the, the the place he visits but there's no like fish god it instead is this like writer you know who's like writing evil into the world which isn't really from any of his i've read a good bit of lovecraft but not everything he's written no i don't i don't think there's really much of like the writing the evil into existence but the idea of like the more people who believe the more real they become is a theme within lovecraft definitely yeah and like the unknowable horrors uh is in i mean just about anything he writes yeah uh, and uh there's like maybe one scene near the end that like is similar to in the Ma- in the mountains of madness, uh, but uh, it's notoriously hard to adapt Lovecraft's work because he is mostly just describing the undescribable <laughs> in his work. Yeah, if that makes sense. Uh, the whole thing is like usually from the point of view. Usually his characters are the ones like reporting to you the reader and also the ones who are being driven insane and they will give their best description they can of the thing they saw that drove them insane but it's always kind of left up to your imagination as the reader Uh, and that has been interpreted in 
through like bits and pieces of things that Lovecraft has uh, put as descriptors into a lot of tentacle monsters, a lot of eyeballs all over big bags of flesh. Usually that is not as scary as just imagining it for yourself. Yeah. Um, even in this movie, this movie tries to show you the monster, and I think that while I love a good gooey prosthetic, uh, it is kind of a weaker part of the horror, in my opinion. I don't know what y'all thought about it. Like, I like that you you never really just like are looking straight at the monster, like full body view for like an extended period of time. You really are only getting like small angles of it, except for that one scene at the end when he is like running down the tunnel. But like for the most part, it still is that kind of like similar to how Lovecraft describes things where like it's you're catching him out of the corner of your eye or like back in the shadows or like when Happy Gilmore's mom turns into a tentacle monster and starts cutting up her husband like it's she's in the shadows. Yeah. And I think I thought her like she was one of the better ones. Mm -hmm. She was. But I would have liked to see more like and I know this is I mean, asking for a lot, right? asking them to have like on the level of the thing <laughs> uh like kind of prosthetics because it's, it's not quite there in this movie mm-hmm. uh, it's still really good right uh and if they were like cg or something it would feel worse than what we got i think but it's interesting kind of the line this movie walks yeah. at least for me uh, some of t- the prosthetics are better than others and when the weaker ones get focused on for too long, I thought that was like the weakest part of the movie, which is like, it's weird. Cause I feel like that's what John Carpenter is really good at. Um, and it's not like they, again, like you said, it's not like they were bad. It's just maybe they're so out there that like, there was no way on this budget of a film to <laughs> do it any better than they did. So like having the holding shots on it, I don't know. Like, like Park was saying the, shot towards the end that I'm sure we'll talk about later where it's really holding on the big goopy monster coming out of the hole. I thought that was like the weakest point of the movie, which is a shame because it was sick up until that very second. (laughs) Yeah. The holding angle is, makes it so weak too. not only because like you can see the prosthetics didn't age very well, but also because it does pull you out of what makes Lovecraft so terrifying and what this movie is trying to pull from so much, because it shows you the monster. I think the Lovecraft monsters are aesthetically really cool. Love me a tentacle face monster. Uh, People have copied that a thousand times for a reason. The mind flayers in D&D. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Path of Exile lately. The Elder in Path of Exile. Very, very... Lovecraftian, uh, but like, yeah, I I feel like I've never seen a movie specifically do it quite right, which is weird. I've seen it look cool in every other medium except for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's strange. Uh, so this movie to me, kind of, it, it walks a line between campy and like genuinely scary. That I think is interesting, at least for me. I feel like maybe we should have a little uh, asterisk for this uh, podcast that we're all cowards. Uh, oh, yeah. Big yeah we, we don't watch horror us, films that much. <laughs> all of us are big babies. Uh, so I was genuinely scared for uh, a lot of parts in this movie. 
uh, jump scares work on me very well, and there's quite a few of them in this movie, actually. Uh, it was <laughs> scarier than I expected. Because I was expecting more camp. I mean, the last John Carpenter movie we watched was They Live, which was as <laughs> serious as maybe some political messages that we pulled out of it are. Uh, that movie is mostly just fun camp the whole time, yeah, right? Like very stupid. the monsters, the monsters in it are just big skull bug eyed dudes. You know, it's very silly. Yeah. But this is there are moments that are genuinely very frightening. Or outside of just like the jump scares, uh, to me the thing that got me the most was the the painting uh, that would change. Oh yeah, uh, particularly because of the way they shot the scene. Uh, a lot of a lot of scenes in this movie are very claustrophobic. The way they're shot, and this one in particular, you know, they'd let you know about this painting that you, you just know it's going to move when they talk about it, uh, <laughs> and then it does, of course. But it being like right behind them as they're talking to the creepy old lady in the hotel. They focus in on the characters, and usually the background is kind of blurred out. So, at least to me, I was always expecting something to pop out at them, because it, it does a lot in the mm -hmm. movie, right? Uh, so, just sort of planting that painting there and then shooting a bunch of scenes around it uh, really got to me. Yeah, the hotel, I thought, was the creepiest part. The the tentacle monster uh, hotel lady. That was, that was the most upsetting one to me. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I don't like that at all. With her naked husband chained to her leg. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was, oh, that was gross. Yeah. The hotel gave me some serious shadow over in Smith vibes with just, like, the creepy, empty hotel that, like, you shouldn't leave at night because you don't want to be out in these streets at night kind of thing. The movie, I mean, literally tells you like, it's pretty clear what's going... There's not a lot of surprises in this movie in, in terms of where the plot goes. With, like... Because they just tell you right off the bat, like, oh, the, what he writes is real. You know, you, you learn this at, like, the 40-minute mark or something, right? Yeah. But it's... That could be kind of scary on its own, right? They just tell you, like, hey, this hotel is full of evil shit. He wrote a whole book about how terrible this hotel is. Now that our characters are going to stay there, right? Yeah, like the the scene where he's like kind of walking, like they first walk in, and then she's like, "Oh yeah, there's a there's a painting behind you," and then that board's gonna be loose, and then when they're up in the room, and he's like, "Oh well, all, if all this was real, like there'd be a a black Byzantine cathedral with gold domes out this window," and she's like, "You didn't read closely enough. It's to the east," and throws open <laughs> the other windows, there. and there it is. This like gigantic stone cathedral in this like weird little new hampshire town that's another thing about this movie is the horrors of rural new england is a big <laughs> theme in uh, a lot of lovecraft works in this as well yeah uh, I, I really love the way they find the town he's in uh when john trent is investigating the just trying to find the location of sutter kane because no one knows even where he lives he notices like these red lines on all the the covers of the books that Sutter Kane has made himself and like you know cuts them out and lays them all out and it's like a map of New Hampshire with a dot in the middle and uh then he and Linda Stiles go to uh go to find it and just like driving through uh pitch black long stretches of road and things get very weird <laughs> 
than the like creepy old man on the bike. So were those like, cause he's like, he won't let me out. Is that like them seeing the kid when he's like first written into the story and then he's just like progressively aged rapidly, like being stuck on the same bike loop? I guess so. Or yeah, just him being like trapped in the, like the pole of this town and not being able to get out. And yeah, cause it's like uh, the same road he keeps driving down at the end and he keeps ending up back in the town over and over and over again. It was very effectively creepy. Cause like, you know, them like driving and keep, they keep like finding him. And there is a, a, a short story by Lovecraft about like a guy on a bike who like stumbles upon some creepy house. I've got, I've got, I literally have like the, like an annotated book of every Lovecraft novel and short story sitting on my bedside table behind me. Um, Like, I have read most of his works. I don't think I've read that one, though. I've never read any of them because, again, I am a big doo-doo diaper baby, so. (laughs) You should read them. They're good. Like, they're really good. Yeah. They won't really keep you up at night just because they are, like, a lot of the horror is kind of dated. Where, which I think part of it is why it's so hard to adapt because I think it'd be kind of hard to make something like In the Mountains of Madness scary because that story, a lot of it was happening at the time when Antarctica as a concept was very fascinating to people. Because yep. nowadays it's very boring, right? But <laughs> It's ice. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just a bunch of ice. Like it's been explored. We get it, right? But at the time it was like, ooh, what could be there? We, you know, Bert. People are exploring this new continent. Uh, there's still a bit more wonder to the world, right? Uh, but that sort of sense of wonder is not quite there anymore. <laughs> so I can see people being challenged, like adapting that story. This is a tangent, but you've just jogged a very specific memory in me of being in a movie theater and seeing a preview uh, that was very spooky of people in Antarctica exploring the continent and finding an upside down pyramid under the ice. And I remember being very fascinated, but also frightened by this. And then it turned out to be a commercial for alien versus predator. Wasn't that an AVP movie? (laughs) It might've been alien versus predator too. I'm not sure. I haven't seen any of them, but (laughs) There was, I remember when there was, like, some satellite images that showed some, like, rocks and the way the shadows were and the way the snow was piled up around, like, these kind of, like, weird rocky caps. It looked like three pyramids in a group in the middle of Antarctica. <laughs> that conceptually is still very spooky to me. Even if, like, we know there are not pyramids in Antarctica because we have satellite imagery that is surveying us all constantly and but what if the Big government Brother, is but, hiding know. them from you what if he knows they're there but doesn't want that, you to that's a compelling point you make <laughs> because they run the government already they're in control charlie we haven't even gotten to the second or third ice wall surrounding our flat earth so <laughs> <laughs> you know, could be anything there i also get some dunwich horror vibes from from this not like like, not as much with, like, the, the horror itself, but just with the town and everything about mm-hmm. about it. Because, like, it's just old New Hampshire town in the middle of nowhere that's, like, hiding some dark secret that everybody in the town is terrified of, but doesn't know, like, what to do about it or how to face it. Yeah, and they keep it kind of vague if, 
these people even existed before Sutter Kane began writing about them. Or, I mean, even our main character, it's they kind of keep it up in the air. Like, did Sutter Kane write him into existence or did he always exist? And then is it like affecting him? Uh, it, I think it works really well in terms of adapting that sort of like cosmic unknowable horror to uh, like to film into like a new sort of story. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the octopus eyes that the people have. Yeah, those are all really cool. Yeah, that's another Shadow of Rensmith thing. I, for whatever reason, I have trouble suspending my disbelief with, like, oh, like, you're you're in the story, it's being written, then you're experiencing it, uh, like, that specific thing. I There's not that much stuff that does it. But with this movie, and I think it's partially just a defense mechanism, because, again, big baby, um... And I, you know, mentally I'm like, oh, this isn't real. I don't need to be, like, afraid of it. <laughs> so when that whole subplot, not subplot, that is just the plot. Yeah, I was about to say, that's, um, that's literally the plot. Yes. Yeah. The not whole of plot, plot of the movie, this. I was like, well, this is kind of silly the whole time. But that, to me, that didn't make it bad. Because, again, like, it's pretty campy. And the camp was a lot of the fun to me. I don't know. Like, it, it is, it is... It has some good horror and some creepy stuff and some gross stuff, and I was like on edge a little bit the whole time, right? But I was also the whole time I was like, oh, this is kind of this is kind of dumb, but I'm having a good time. <laughs> Much like they live, I don't know. Maybe it's just the guitar music at the start putting me in the John Carpenter mood, <laughs> coming coming off of my they live experience. That I heard that guitar riff, and I was like, what have I chosen? <laughs> like, what is this movie? <laughs> It's so tonally different from the rest of it, in my opinion. It really threw me off. Yeah, it does give you like a completely different feeling going into it. It feels like it's going to be they live levels of camp. Yeah, and it definitely it doesn't go that far. I think it takes itself seriously more so than I don't know. I guess they live kind of takes itself seriously. That's like part of the the fun. It is, I, I don't really know where exactly on, like, the serious camp scale I would place this. But the camp, to me, was what made it good. I think if you made this movie, that that doesn't make any sense to say make this movie with no camp because you're just making a different movie. But yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed the campiness is what I'm trying to get out here. I mean, like I said before... Uh before we started recording, like, I don't think that, I mean, there are very few directors out there that I trust to make a Lovecraft style movie that is not campy. Cause I think like, if you're going to do it, it's going to have some level of campiness to it. That's just kind of like the, the pulp horror that Lovecraft is just kind of inherently has that. But like, I do like John Carpenter did a great job. The next person who's been fighting to do one that I want to see doing is Guillermo del Toro. And I think Guillermo del Toro will be able to do one with like as little like campiness as possible. So it feels more serious and like might actually be horrifying, which I would love. After Pan's after seeing Pan's Labyrinth, I'm I'm on board with that. I think you could I think you could do a good job. Honestly, like even the monster design in Hellboy and everything is fantastic. Like Del Toro's got got that stuff down. Oh, there's a bit more I wanted to say about old John Trent. Trent. Uh, 
<laughs> so I think uh, they're pretty smart There's in their decision to give him like the job he has and to make him sort of the character he is because uh, they do sort of the classic horror thing of making the main character not too likable uh, because then when bad things happen to them, you don't feel quite so <laughs> quite so bad, right? Yeah. And uh, also his job in particular being a insurance fraud investigator, I guess, for like, I, don't, I don't know if there's a better name for that, but he is naturally like very, very uh, skeptical of everything, right? So he's pretty much the last one to, uh, in the whole town to realize what's going on or like to fully accept it. Like deep into the plot of the movie, he's just saying like, oh, uh, you know, everyone's been paid off. They're all like hired actors. Meanwhile, like a guy got like mauled by a dog in front of him. Yep. Several people did. Several people did. And like there's children chasing around a dog that I, mean, I guess they didn't see them eat the dog's leg yeah, they, uh, that happened he's seen at least one attempted axe murder true actually more than one right yep because he himself was attempted to be murdered by an axe also he like watched a, like before he even got to the town he just like casually watched a cop beating a man in an alleyway john carpenter's yeah. thoughts on cops very clear across the two <laughs> films we have watched yeah, just like the interstitial police violence that is happening in this movie. The whole insurance investigator thing is very cop adjacent to, which I think works in making him less sympathetic. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, you're you're kind of a bastard, huh? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Business insurance is one thing. It's not like health insurance, at least, I guess, but also... <laughs> yeah. And he even, like, him... Uh, like hitting on Linda Stiles, the editor of the like publishing house, is like he's very like skeezy about it. Oh yeah, you know. Yep. Uh, so just another little way to make him uh, make you okay with seeing him go through these hardships. <laughs> <laughs> he even has like a weird quote when they're he's talking about his perspective on the world. I guess when they're uh, riding in the car together. And he, he has the opinion, he reminded me of Rust Cole from the first season of True Detective in this, but he's like talking about how people are all like liars and cheats and like the sooner we're off the planet, the better. <laughs> he's on his doomer shit, you know? Also sort of a, a little nod to the end of the movie, right? Yes. Yep. Oh yeah. Also, when he's in the car, like who the fuck just has a clown horn in their car? right like a clown horn like a bike horn he's a real asshole even like they when they run over the dude on the bike and then he just like gets up and like pedals away he just like makes her keep driving yeah he's like all right we'll just tell a cop in the next town like it's fine he's just like i'm going back to sleep like i feel like at that point if the person just ran someone over you maybe take the wheel for the rest of the evening this movie only really made me jump once, in all honesty. I do not like watching horror films. I don't like watching something that's going to make me panic for adrenaline. Like, yeah. I, I I love the feeling of an adrenaline rush, but not so much that I enjoy terrorizing myself. Um, the only time, though, that, like, I physically jumped watching this movie is when uh, Styles finds his, like 
finds uh, Kane's like creepy back of the cathedral like office where he's typing up the book and the hand comes down and grabs her. That was so mean. Like, scene. oh my god. Like, I knew something was gonna happen, but it's like the loud hissing sound and the hand. It like that made me physically jump. <laughs> but outside of that, though, like, I don't know. Like Lovecraft stuff, like it fucks with me sometimes. Like when I first read some of it, it stuck in me. It stuck with me a little bit of just like the existential dread of like, hey, what is out there in the in our ever expanding pitch black universe beyond the stars? Um, but I find it incredibly fascinating too. Mm-hmm. The whole cathedral set, I think, was my favorite one or favorite behind the inn, maybe. But yeah, the like yeah. the kind of writhing door was ooh. I love that shit. I love it. Yeah, I think on my notes I described it as the full metal alchemist door, but gooey. If you've seen <laughs> the show. It's basically what's going on. It's the truth. The other side, you know, is through the door. Yeah, the truth uh, is behind the door, whether you want to see it or not. I, I love when, like, the uh, the door opens. It's, like, pages tearing, you know? I, I actually and, like, paused it and, like, tried to read, like, little bits and pieces to see if it was, like, something that was actually going on in the scene. And it does not mm-hmm. seem to be. Because, like, it talks to, like, somebody named Carl, and I don't think that there's anybody named Carl that we meet throughout this entire movie. Um. Yeah, and it was a really nice touch when she began narrating what was happening in that very scene, like, reading from the book that Sutter Kane gave them. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was the, I loved that scene because like the writing style that they like they mimic Lovecraft's writing style perfectly with that mm-hmm. with the yeah, like yeah. looking into the just this gaping void, not even being able to scream or have like any emotion as the void just screams back at you. Yeah, I, I, I was impressed because like it's it's not super easy to to mimic that, <laughs> you know. Like no. Lovecraft is like kind of specific because i don't know maybe that's why everyone's lining up to to watch it that's another thing that's going on i think one of y'all mentioned it the idea that like the more people because sutter kane is like a best-selling author like i think he said like billions of copies sold like a crazy popular author Uh, they said billions of dollars which would be uh, okay you know, hundreds of millions of copies. Yeah, but there, I mean, but there's literally so a line that's like, you can forget about Stephen King, <laughs> like yeah. Sutter Kane is uh-huh. like the next big He's author, the new right? big thing. Yeah, and uh, his plot, I guess, is like, you know, he's like, I have more people believing my stories than people who like believe in the Bible or whatever, and like the way the old ones will come back is through enough people like reading my stories and like getting sort of lulled into belief by the way he writes uh, which is really fun this this whole movie is I think, I think it's good on its own but I think it's especially a treat for anyone who's read Lovecraft yeah does this movie have a villain because I almost said Sutter Kane is a really cool villain but I'm not actually sure he's the villain he might just be a cool character I mean I, like he so he's like he's been given the power from beyond to like 
dictate what happens in the world with his writings, and he's writing it specifically to bring them forward into the world. So, But does that make him the bad guy, or does it make the Eldritch Abominations the bad guys, or are, are they the bad guys? We don't know what they're doing other than making other than everyone kill each other. Humanity. I guess that's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I'd say the the old ones are the uh, are the bad guys. Yeah, they seem to be sort of controlling Sutter Kane's work. Like he even said that that like he thought that he thought at first that he was just being he just had a lot of inspiration for what to write for. Right then he realized that that inspiration was being like placed in his head by these creatures from beyond or whatever. Right. Uh, and they're back to replace humans and turn them all into either turn them into them or just kill them off uh, and just replace humanity entirely which is similar to uh, another common theme in Lovecraft stories is like this idea of sort of inevitability right like doom is coming and there was never anything you could do to stop it uh, that like the the old ones coming in uh in this movie are sort of just like it's a force of nature more than anything else right yeah i mean it's part of carpenter's apocalypse trilogy which is the thing prince of darkness and in the mouth of madness which like you can't you're not supposed to look at it as like one movie leads into the into another because you can't but they all have very like heavy Lovecraft themes across them and then In the Mouth of Madness is the last movie in the trilogy because the world actually ends like in the thing in the Prince of Darkness like the stuff that's happening is kind of like hinting at it could cause the end of the world like in the thing when the dog gets away Um, but like here we actually witness the end so it it was inevitable the whole time I love the end of this movie. Oh yeah, it was by the way. <laughs> the whole so the the sequence where so he's like in the asylum, right, as the world is just ending. Uh which I feel like that's the setup to every horror game ever. Specifically horror video games, it's like you, it, always the main character is trapped in some kind of place and then you escape from the room you're stuck in wait i'm thinking of portal never mind you're thinking of portal. Uh, <laughs> may a kind of dead space but you're not trapped portal is sort of a horror game if you think about it anyways you're trapped in dead space you're on the i mean alien ship yeah yeah alien but you fly you like go to the ship you don't the character was not on the ship when the thing happened yeah you've been yeah. sent to like help them you're the space triple you were like a the guy. maintenance. Yeah, you're supposed to uh, go restart their their battery. But then the <laughs> that whole sequence is really cool and like one of the creepiest parts of the movie. Asylums very creepy. You love to see it. Blood splattered on walls, dented in door, being the last man on earth emerging from the asylum. Also very cool, very creepy. Again, you love to see it. But then him watching the movie of himself in the movie theater and then just like laughing his ass off while he's stuffing his face with popcorn psychotic shit i it was fantastic <laughs> it's just it's so good 
John Carpenter knows how to end a movie, man. Actually, it'd be so fun to be in a theater watching the movie when that happened, too. Right? Oh, man. Like, and it really wasn't what I expected from the end, either. Like, I fully expected there to be, like, some scene where he, like, blinks, and for a brief second you, like, see the octopus eyes or something like that. But no, the end, it took it caught me off guard in the best way possible. I love the the line uh, of when Kane is explaining, like, the plot, and he asks him, uh, what about the people who don't read? And he says, there's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent. I was like, uh, actually, I don't know if Kane said that. Someone said that, and it was very funny. Yeah. It was the, uh, the publisher, right? Or no, no, no! It was the guy talking. He yeah, might have been John Trent. Trent said, "Yeah, Trent That's said it right. to yeah, yeah. the investigator who was there talking to him." Yeah, the, yeah, the publisher the told him they were making a movie, and then when he's in the asylum, he says that to the investigator, psychiatrist, whatever he is. During the worst sound mixing I've ever heard. Of. So there's a. This is an issue for. Me and Trent. Did you encounter this park? I did. Yeah. No. The, levels. Yeah. The the sound levels from scene to scene are. Uh... Yeah, and I'm I'm far from an audio engineer or any sort of expert or anything like that, but I do know that movies are generally mixed for a theater, and then if you've ever watched a movie on streaming or like you've gotten on DVD, if you're an old person, uh, <laughs> they, uh, some of them, but not all might have really like weird audio, right? You know, the conversations are really quiet, but action scenes are really loud. And you're like, wow, why is this happening? Right. Why would they make the movie this way? And, uh, it's because you generally have the sound has to be mixed differently for different, like, speakers or rooms or something like you wouldn't mix something for a theater the same way you would mix it for earbuds um and a good dvd release or streaming release would account for that um but amazon is not a good company (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and they just put any old shit up there and let you sort it out so uh, don't don't get this on Amazon because the audio mixing sucks. Yeah, yeah, it was actually atrocious. It's like I, I I've had this problem with other movies we've watched. Never felt the need to bring it up. This one was actually awful, and I yeah I don't know if it's Amazon's fault or whose fault it is, but I'm gonna blame it on Amazon. Uh, because uh, Christ, it was terrible. Yeah, def- definitely required some like scene to scene audio adjustment. Yeah, which is the word, I mean, could you find, could you pick anything that would literally take you out of the movie more than having to do that? Like, that's so crazy. Yeah, because it's like, I, straight up, I had to crank my volume to be able to hear them talking, and then when any kind of action started, it was like, actually painfully loud, it was like, I have to turn this down, I am going mm-hmm. to get tinnitus watching this movie if yeah. I and don't. Like, and, it... and then they start talking again, it was like, well, now I gotta double the volume to hear them, it's just... It's frustrating and, even, and it and i get in your movie with like loud jump scares you want the talking to be a little quieter so people have to listen real close in the theater than boo right but it's uh it's excessive in this so wait so you've never read any hp lovecraft nah you really should 
Like, it is... I might. I don't know. It's not really, like, my thing. The writing style, though, is incredible. Like, it, the way he describes every scene, like, even just describing, like, driving through, like, the small towns in New England, like, these old dilapidated villages, is very... It's, it is extremely well done. Yeah. I'll probably... I'll read, like, one of the short stories or something at some point just to say yeah. I did it. It's just, like, it's not really my genre. Yeah, I mean, they're all pretty much all of them are short stories. Like at the Mountains of Madness is, probably, I think, it's his longest work. He only has a handful of novels. Everything else is short stories. Um, you have Dagon, which is kind of like a horror life of Pi. Uh, but I definitely think you would like Shadow Over Innsmouth, especially if you liked this movie. Because um, it's about. I man. liked this movie, but I mostly liked it because it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shadow over Innsmouth is about a guy like basically investigating a town called Innsmouth that everybody's like, "Hey, why the fuck would you ever go there? It's a shithole." Um, and then you discover that it's like inhabited by fish people. Yes, um, who all worship Dagon. I mean, like, it's, I mean, you enjoy play. what was it we played? Arkham, no, we played Eldritch Horror, not Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror is like the eight-hour game. Eldritch Horror is like the hand, like, two to three-hour game. The one for babies. <laughs> the one for people who have better things to do than play an eight-hour board game. Like that one time we played the Game of Thrones board game for, like, six hours. Because we didn't know how to play it, because it was our first time playing. Didn't Lovecraft, like, die in poverty? Like, a lot of writers wasn't discovered until like long after he died looking forward to that dude let's go (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that may have been a good thing too so he didn't like he didn't spoil his like good writings with more racist shit yeah that's true he um I know he was like married. Yeah, he was married. I don't think he ever had children. I have to imagine that he was a. a, I mean, he he was like the original incel. He had to be right. Like he, there's no way he was. There's no way he had enough courage to ever have sex. I mean, just look (laughs) at look at a picture of him. Um, Come on. Yeah, but it turns out being a shut in who's afraid of uh, anything that isn't exactly yourself. Makes you put, uh, explain horror pretty well. (laughs) You know, it's like a weird side effect of that. One thing that's kind of fun about the way this movie uh, ends is that the kind of big action climax when he's like trying to escape the town and he confronts uh, Sutter Kane and then he sees the horrifying monsters and runs away. Uh, there's kind of a good bit of movie after that still. Uh, and we get to see uh, John Trent just sort of like <laughs> returning to life after all that and having to sort of deal <laughs> with what he just saw around like normal people again. And like his psyche has been permanently impacted by like the things Sutter Kane said and also the fact that Sutter Kane is literally controlling him, right? And he has been tasked to like spread to like get the manuscript to out to the world uh 
and he's like, I, I love when you talk to the uh, publisher and he's like, you gave us the manuscript like months ago. Yeah. Then there is, there was no Linda yeah. stylist who ever worked here and all that shit. I thought that was really cool. He's like, uh, she was written out of the story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did. I did absolutely love the scene though. Like when, we're kind of like seeing that yeah like Sutter Kane is controlling everything around him and they're on the bus and like he uh, Trent falls asleep and he wakes back up to like Sutter Kane talking to him and then he like blinks like he's waking up again after Sutter Kane's like did I ever tell you my favorite color is blue and then everything on the bus is some shade of blue and he just starts screaming like he just yeah. <laughs> he all it all of a sudden like clicks like how fucked he really is. <laughs> <laughs> then him like feeling safer in the his cell in the asylum than anywhere else, like covered in cross like crosses that he's drawn with his There's no way that took only one crayon. Yeah. I don't believe it. <laughs> Several crayons worth. <laughs> like a whole pack. All black crayons. Yeah. <laughs> Anything involving creepily drawn religious imagery, imagery, Jesus, imagery, always very cool. Religion creep is a very effective kind of creep. That's true. Yeah. And there's a lot of it in this movie. Yes. Can we talk about, there's, there's one prosthetic we haven't talked about yet that I would very much like to, and it is the Linda Stiles... Uh, upside down, walking on Ooh, forehead, walking on all fours, rotating Ex- head, monster. exorcist style. Like that was that deeply was upsetting. <laughs> yeah, her, when when her head pokes around the uh, door of the car, and you realize that like the neck isn't connected to any like uh, yeah to anything in like a human way. You're like, oh shit! <laughs> I was like, this is gonna do some creepy walking on all fours rotated around elbows thing isn't it and then it did i was like oh hell yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that one nailed it that might have been the most effective prosthetic to me at just like i guess because like she had like clothes and there wasn't just like weird foldy skin everywhere uh that it was a sort of like i don't know it looked more real mm-hmm yeah, I something with the good prosthetics in this movie. I mean, they're all they're all good. None of them are uh, egregiously bad or anything. But the that one and the creepy lady. There's a very big difference between those two. The creepy lady being the the hotel, the innkeep, tentacle monster. Yep. Innkeep tentacle monster. I was like, oh, that's creepy. This one, I was like, oh, that's creepy, but also very cool. <laughs> Which was my reaction to most of the stuff in this movie, where it's like, I I don't know, I wasn't, maybe it's just because I watched it in the middle of the day, because I am a baby, but none of it was, I was like, oh, this is, like, horrifying, and I'm going to have nightmares, I was just like, well, that's cool. Because, <laughs> uh, I don't know, it's just the, the vibe that the movie had, it's so strange, it has a very creepy tone the whole time, but so much of what it showed me, instead of being like, that's terrifying and that's creepy, I was like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's something wrong with me, I don't know. No, I yeah. think just, like, the kind of general, like, Lovecraft vibe is very cool. Yeah. 
It's just fun. Like, and, and, and like within Lovecraft, like there are some descriptions of his monsters that are like, that's just cool or weird and not terrifying. But then it's just like, oh, yeah, but where these things come from is just like an endless void of horrible, horrible things that don't care about you. And you don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Human emotions and laws do not matter outside of our world. Oh, I think that's a good spot to end it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Will, yeah. would you recommend In the Mouth of Madness? I would. Uh, even if you're a bit of a baby like me, I think this is a pretty manageable scary movie. Um, and it, it, it has, for, for me, perfect mix of campy to actually scary to make me have a good time. So highly recommend. And Park. Yeah, definitely recommended. I I am like a big Lovecraft fan, and I do agree that this is probably one of the best, like, if you can call it like an adaptation or like inspired movies from his works. Um, definitely recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, I really like this movie, and I I don't really like horror movies, but I just, I don't know. I thought this movie was fun. I thought it was cool. I was like, oh, this is a good time. I don't know. Maybe I should just watch more horror movies. Maybe that's the takeaway here. We're slowly getting closer to just watching the thing. <laughs> it's happening. We've been circling that one for a while. Eventually, we're going we're gonna to have to do it. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. As always, be sure to leave a like, rating, review, whatever you do on your chosen podcast app. Uh, plugs park. Uh, the people can find me on Instagram at summerhour underscore brewing. And will you can follow me on Twitter at will posts words, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Will Johnston. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Charlie B posts. If I ever use my Instagram again, I'll, I'll let you know on there. So you'll see it. Uh, okay. Thank you. Once again, you can find us at jump guts pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, the internet. We have a website. It's jumpcutspod.com. Thanks for listening. We will see you next Thursday with, Oh, I, okay. I know two weeks ago. I said what the pick was going to be, and it backfired. It can't possibly backfire this time, though. Because <laughs> it's coming out, and we will be watching the Snyder Cut, and it's going to be fucking trash, so get hyped. Is it the whole thing, or is it only, like, the first episode that's coming out? Or, like, first part? Oh, shit, does it not all, does it not all come out at once? That was the original plan, but I'm pretty sure it's just the whole four-hour movie. Oh, god damn it. We're watching a four-hour superhero movie this week? But this doesn't count as anyone's pick. Charlie will get to pick for real after we watch it. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) But I feel like this is like movie history, right? Yeah. Like, this Uh, never happens. (laughs) Yeah, this is, again, like the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, this is proof that cyberbullying works. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just cyberbullied DC into releasing this movie. And I guarantee you, even if it's better, even if it's enjoyable, if it's kind of fun, it's still, so there's, it's fucking Zack Snyder, man. It's going to be stupid, and I <laughs> am excited. <laughs> Did you hear Although, it's in four by three aspect ratio? Did yes. <laughs> Why? A superhero movie in four by three. 
It's not, ugh. If it's genuinely a good movie, I will be very surprised because it's four hours long. We will end the podcast. (laughs) If we, if any of us recommends the Snyder (laughs) Cut, it will be the final Jump Cuts episode. (laughs) You can't make a good four hour movie. It's not possible. It simply cannot be done. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Does that make well, it the longest movie ever? Like, because that's longer than Cleopatra, isn't it? There's got to be some weird one that's like 24 hours long. What, like, it's, just like the picture, just like an art house thing. Yeah, just like a dog running around. I don't know. Because <laughs> like, yeah, I think that actually pushes it to be like one of the long. No, no, Cleopatra is five hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> oh yes, we should end it. Uh, okay, yeah, Snyder Cut. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. <laughs> So long.